We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We told you we'd be announcing it soon, and finally we can. Registration is now open. Go to the website, click the register button, and you too could be... Tottenham's next manager. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, the Goodbye Man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. <clears throat> I am playing a little hurt today, so I apologize for that. Uh, and it is because I went away with my lovely wife, or as Tim calls her, my long-suffering wife. Both are true uh, for her birthday, but I am back. And I do want to thank Tim and Paul for uh, taking on hosting duties and showing me how it's done. But none of that. We're done with that crap. We're going back to this nonsense. And yes, uh, so as you know, we've been teasing a big announcement, and that announcement is ready. We, we are ready to take your registration to be the next Tottenham Hotspur manager. Uh, I would suggest that if you, listener, became the Tottenham Hotspur manager, it is possible that you could be a better candidate than some of the people they have been linked with. I have to admit I was heartbroken when the uh, Gattuso announcement didn't come through was hoping for that but there's still time for scott scotty parker to get the job so we'll keep our fingers and toes crossed for something fun there and maybe today we'll get a little time to talk about uh, manchester city's mooted 100 million pound bid for uh harry kane because that's that's an interesting one that is out there no euro talk today we are going to talk transfers we'll talk lakonga we'll talk ben white we'll talk james madison we'll talk maybe a little andre silva if we have time um and a little bit about premier league is it worth the premium Premier League, uh, what is it good for? Absolutely something. Say it again, y'all. Um, so, with that having been said, Paul is here, and you can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pencil, Paul. Woohoo. Apologies for my phone going off. That was Daniel Levy, as Ooh. you may remember, Elliot. Somebody on Twitter suggested you and I might want the job, and I said yes. We would refuse any transfers, so I think Levy would like that, run them into the ground. But then I suspected I would find you in January in his office presenting radars for 23-year-olds you had spotted in the market who were in prime and yeah. approaching it. Yes, could, could I resist the siren call of proving <laughs> no. that analytics wins out? Uh, I think in the case of tanking spurs, I could. Tim's on Twitter. It's nobody. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. And Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. The actual event, the Las Vegas event, is happening August 20 to 22nd at the Win, and you will be able to register just as soon as I have a link for that, which I don't yet, but it is coming. The important thing is that the event is happening. Uh, we are going to be there. I'm actually getting in the 19th. I think most of our team will be getting in the 19th and staying till the 22nd. We play Chelsea 
that weekend. Uh, the watch parties should be pretty, uh, it says here, lit. I don't know what that means. But the good news is it's an 8.30 a.m. kickoff time, which by the standards of uh, West Coast timekeeping is not too bad for um, for an Arsenal kickoff. So we will, we will take that in stride, having uh, just left the club prior to kickoff and then back into the club for the watch party. Should be fun. I'm going to tell you something. We are going to have something really, really fun. Brandon McKenna is... Uh, a graphic designer. He's many things. One of the things he is is a graphic designer, and he's extraordinarily talented. You might have seen his Create FC stuff. I wanted a mug. Not like just, you know, what you call me behind my back, but like the thing you drink out of. And what I wanted on the mug was the bingo card that the Highbury Librarian uh, on Twitter uh, created. And Brandon's like, sure, I can create that for you. Do you want to make it available for other people to buy? And I was like, you know what? Let's do that. And then Brandon literally designed an entire line of merchandise for the podcast because he's incredible. So now I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, we have a whole line of merchandise, which I was not expecting, but let's go ahead and just try it. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to make the mug available all over worldwide, fast shipping, and uh, going to do some fun uh, like giveaway stuff with it next season. So if you complete your mug and uh, send us the episodes where you completed it, we'll send you a free shirt. So that's what we're going to do. If you want to go to the arsenalvisionpodcast.com site and go to the shop link, you'll be able to see some of the stuff he created. It's absolutely extraordinary. Uh, I think the site is working. Frankly, I'm not totally sure, but I, I am pretty sure. And uh, you'll see the bingo mug there, and I hope you like it. So let's get started with the rumors. And the first one we should touch on, I think, is the one that looks like it is happening. It may be the least divisive or exciting one in some respects, but it's Lakanga. And Clive, I'll start with you. I think the perception is that we are in for a couple of midfielders, and Lakanga is the less marquee one. I don't know how true that is, but I, I certainly like it. It seems like the, the price being discussed is good. The age seems to be good. The the player profile seems good. This just looks like the kind of smart sound <clears throat> sound business needed to replace some, you know, at least mooted outgoings like Granite Chaka. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Lakanga and whether you think this is the right move for the club? Yeah, this is a sort of... Uh... This this feels all right, doesn't it? But it feels all right to us because we're a bit we're a bit nerdy and we <laughs> fair point. Yeah, we, I'm sure there's some people that are like, "Who's this guy? I want someone I've heard of." <laughs> we're a bit nerdy. We always talk about ceilings and floors and all this mm -hmm. stuff. You know what I mean? And and ace curves and mid prime and full prime and all those nerdy things that we mm. talk about. So this guy fits the bill completely. Then you do listen to what people say within the game, and then you look at the clubs that are interested in him. And they're the sort of clubs that we will go next time to spend forty five million quid on him, you know, for because they've actually spent a year or so in their team and and so yeah, he's a very interesting player. If you watch the videos of him, he's he's a behind the ball midfielder, can play six, can play eight, switches the passes, all that nice stuff, no touch turns, good physicality about him. Oh, really nice. YouTube, easy, easy on the eye. Where do I sign? Right, But then little things I've read, which I think are really interesting, that he's in the, I'm not sure he's in the full Belgian squad or he might be a standby player, but the chat within the squad is that he's come in and he's reached intensity level immediately. And that's the sort of thing that I'm interested in because when you're buying a player from the Belgium League, that's the first thing you wonder about the transference of abilities into the Premier League. If you can match those Belgian boys, you can match the Premier League. I think that's a really key thing. When you're watching, when players come up the age groups, your first thing you're looking for is how they handle the intensity. 
So as he's going through from under-21s, whatever it is, can he handle the intensity of first-team football? Can he handle the intensity of men's football? How comfortable do you look? Do you still have time? Do you still have pictures? And that sort of stuff is really, really key. So I like it not only from an Elliot Nerd perspective, I like it from a physicality perspective, I like it from a technical perspective, and also there is the squad-building aspect, which which I joke about, but it Mm. it shouldn't be a joke. We need to be far more intelligent than we have been in recent years. So if you think about Gwendozi going out the door, think about Gwendozi Torreira going out the door. Two young, 21, 21-year-olds. I look at Gwendozi going out and this guy coming in. That's the sort of profile I'm thinking about. And so there needs to be somebody else coming on top of that to uh, make the difference, shall we say, in the first 11. Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately people are going to say, you know, how, how do you expect to get in the top four if you're buying, you know, 22-year-olds or soon-to-be 22-year-olds from Anderlecht? Like, we need big, big quality. And I understand that. I do think that the irony is where we've probably had more of our success in, in recent seasons is unearthing gems as opposed to the guys who were supposed to be the stonewall obvious picks. I mean, Nicola Pepe was 72 million pounds. Now, to be fair, he's kind of started to come come good and everybody understands why that fee was too much, but it was too much. Um, you know, Willian was supposed to be the, you know, the easy, uh, he's Premier League experience, step right in, know exactly what you're getting. You know, that didn't pan out. I mean, even Thomas Party, who I think is very, very good and far from the problem with the, with the squad and will, will be a, a good player for us. You know, we spent top of the market, mid prime came in and it didn't really move the needle for us this season. I think we've had success with moves like this and they have to be a part of your plan, even if they're not the whole plan. So I, I'm, you know, I'm personally happy with it. I think you're adding a profile of the kind of player you'd like to have in the squad and with the kind of players that could be leaving, Shaka, Ganduzi, you know, maybe Elneny, but maybe not. Um, I think this is a good player to bring in and you, in theory, if we do our business right this summer, don't need him to step in and be important right away. So, Paul, I mean, for you, I know that when you're sitting eighth and you're a big club, people have an appetite for the big extravagant, exciting signing. But seeing the club start to make intelligent, clever moves, given that not doing that is probably the bigger reason why we're in the position we're in, it's a good sign that the the people in charge at least understand, I think, a a little bit of how to operate a a bit more efficiently in the market, you know, with with respect to other rumors, maybe discounting that fact. But but, but would you say that this kind of move at least indicates a, a little bit of sophistication? Yeah, I mean, taking it as real and likely, um, it looks like this is the kind of move that says, oh, the director of football is on the job. <clears throat> the departments win- within the organization might be functioning. Our data guys, like we, we binned our scouting team because who needs scouts? Oh, actually, apparently we do. <laughs> Let's go out and recruit a bunch of them. But somehow we've bridged the gap between um, – uh, investigation, analysis, data, finding a guy who looks good. Maybe Thierry Henry over with the Belgian squad uh, can massage things a little bit there. He's still banging in those goals in practice, apparently, um, uh, and help us with the whole process a little bit. But some something, if this plays out and he's as good as he looks to be and we get him, then something, some parts of our approach our, dare I say it, strategy uh, may actually be working and we're going to need short, medium, long-term perspectives, different kinds of players. They won't all be 23 or 24. This guy's 
what, 21. Um, some may be a little older too. We're, we're not yet at the point where everybody can be 23 because we're not good enough finding 20, the right 23-year-olds who are ready to go across the board. Uh, but this guy is very interesting in that he looks like he, he may be one of those 21-year-olds who can contribute uh, like next season. As Clive says, it doesn't mean he's ready for prime time, uh, you know, 30 games a season out of 38. But you never know either. Um, you don't want him to have to come in and perform day one. So we need to have our other options in place. But, I mean, for for the folks who wanted something a bit more Basuma-ish than a Ruben Neves, for example, um, this guy seems to have a really nice blend uh, where he might one day push Thomas Park. I don't know enough about him, but he seems to have a nice blend of everything from athleticism, ability to cover the ground for sure, a nice range of passing, smart, clever. I'm just reading the, the, what folks say about him. And, you know, might, might give uh, Thomas Party a push for a place one of these days, but might fit into that party mold and giving us lots of options. I don't know if we can expect Party to play 38 games either. Mm. So... He, he could be a great B-side to a Beatles track here for next season as he comes into his own. Um, but he's, he's obviously not the guy that we should be betting our midfield on for the whole of next season. That would seem foolish. So hopefully there's another option. Whether you love your, your Ruben Neves or whichever other rumor you're looking at, you would think yeah. that you buy a Neves and then you get Lakanga in the same season yeah. and... <clears throat> hope he comes along. Yeah, I mean, I, I think looking at the data, and, and if you're a, a patron in the Discord, Scott did a, a big data review of Samba Lukonga, Albert Sambi Lukonga, and uh, looks more like a party heir than a party partner to me. Yeah, um, yeah that's what he is. Yeah. That's what he is. And, 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 you know, likes to carry the ball, good to final third entries, um, good at getting the ball to the edge of the final third and into it, but not not an end product guy, not a goals or an assist guy will take one bad shot a game. So, you know, there you go. You got your Thomas party right there. Tim loves that. Um, you know, more of an intercepty defender than a tackling defender, which I think again, a little more um, of what you want, maybe in, in a pressing team, if we're going to switch to that, he likes to carry the, fo- the ball forward before his next action. That is his big statistical attribute. And I like that. And I do think that that's something that we get from Thomas party. And so I think there's similarity there. So Tim, um, before we move off of Lakanga, just real quick, I think, my question for you is, do you have any difficulty evaluating our moves and this move in light of the fact that we're also still not totally sure, or maybe we are, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think we're totally sure what system Mikel Arteta wants to build for long-term. So if Mikel mm. Arteta was going to be here, let's say another three seasons, and he was going to get to build the exact squad he wants, I don't know that I can tell you exactly what that formation and system and style of play would look like yet. I have some suspicions based on that four, two, three, one that looked decent at the tail end of last season, but I don't think we've confirmed it. So do you think that going for a Lukonga, who is a similar player profile to a Thomas party and those players being seemingly priority additions for him, does that give you any clearer picture of what he wants to do? How do you find evaluating this move and other, other moves in light of not necessarily knowing unless you do which system Mikel Arteta favors? 
Well, first of all, obviously, I don't know yet, but um, I wrote something last week uh, along the lines of, you know, how do Arsenal score more goals? How do they become more threatening? Because that, to me, is is the number one priority. Um, 55 goals is not going to get you any more than we got last season. And frankly, we didn't look like scoring a lot more than that. And so I was thinking, right... We, we have got some, you know, some good end product players in Aubameyang who underperformed last season. Pepe, we couldn't find a way to use him properly until the last few games. There's Martinelli, but can you play those three together? Do we bring Joe Willock back? And if so, what does that look like? And I kind of, I thought to myself, surely this must be building towards a 4-3-3 in terms of getting, because that, that gets you your front three and your number 10. Um, and an additional eight in there as well. Um, whether, whether, you know, that's party or additional eight or, um, whether he's the deepest of, of the midfield three, I'm not sure, but some of the moves I'm thinking, well, if we're spending 50 million pounds on a center back, I don't want two defensive midfielders anymore. Um, otherwise what the hell is the point in spending 50 million pounds on a center back? Like, I don't just want someone who passes the ball well for that money. I I, I think that's um, that's going towards, Note we're playing a back four and one defensive midfielder money. And if we're not, I don't think we should be paying that money um, for Ben White. And I, and I do realise that 50 million is not as much these days as it used to be, but that that's kind of where I am with it. And I, and I think a lot, a, a lot, particularly thinking about Joe Willock, right? Because I, I just don't see how you get Joe Willock into a 4-2-3-1 really but I kind of see how you get him into a 4-3-3 um as that you know as that like that Ramsey role I guess if you have let's say Smith Rowe as number 10 and you have party at the back of the midfield if that's what you want to do with him then potentially there's a place for Willock there but I, I don't think that place really exists for him in a 4-2-3-1 I do think there's a slight distinction between those roles that makes your eights or rather your eight slightly less free um, so, so a lot of this, you know, and, and there have been some hints, he might have outright, out, outright said it and I just can't remember, but there are some hints that, no, he has said it before, hasn't he Arteta, that eventually he wants us to be a four, three, three team. Mm. It's just how far away is eventually, but even if it, you know, he should be building the team towards that. If that's what he wants to do, whether he thinks he can do it this season or not, or whether he thinks, well, actually I've got quite a few young players. I'd like to give them another season in a four, two, three, one, but there should be a vision for turning that into a four, three, three. Um, and, you know, maybe that means having Saka as one of the, as one of the three is that kind of eight. Um, I, I think there are options there. So it, it is very difficult to evaluate because we kind of have this idea that Arteta wants to move to that system, but no idea how quickly. But really, if that's what he wants, these purchases should be looking at going that way in at least the next 12 months. And to be honest, I kind of think next season is the best time to do it because next season we haven't got Europe and he's got a lot more time on the training ground with them. So even if he starts the season in a 4-2-3-1, I think it might be quite a good idea to try and kind of move a bit like what we did last season, moving away from 3-4-3. Perhaps we could use this season to do something similar and gradually move towards a 4-3-3, almost by sleight of hand without even telling the players and then going, ah, you're playing a 4-3-3 now, aren't you? Um, a bit like when you white whip the kind of the stabilizers off your child's bicycle and go, there you go, it was all you. Um, so it, it is difficult to to um, evaluate in that respect, but it it probably shouldn't be. We should have an idea that this is where things are going. 
Yeah, and I think here's the thing, right? A, a club really has two priorities in any transfer window. Well, a summer transfer window. One is to address immediate needs, ideally in the most efficient way and effective way possible. And the other is to have a longitudinal plan, right? To be saying <laughs> three, four seasons from now, we still need to have a squad. Let's not leave that for the summer before that season. That, you know, a lot of our squad building has felt like building the airplane while we're in flight. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we need to land. Let's build some landing gear. Oh gosh, we need to turn. Let's build some ailerons or whatever turns the plane out. I don't know. Um, but but this is what you want to do. You buy a Lakanga because you say he's 21. He's going to be 22. He's usable now. He's a guy we can use. He has characteristics that we see as being necessary in the squad, but we don't have to need him right now. And it lets us move on from, well, Ganduzi, maybe a little unfortunately, but we understand why that's happened. We're not going to relitigate it. Here's relitigate for your bingo mug. Um, you know, we, we, we maybe are moving on from El Nenny and Shaka, and we want to add that that carrying, that ball carrying, that movement, that athleticism. Great. So that's the plan for the future. Now we need the plan to make an eighth-place team not eighth-place next season. And that leads to the question of efficient use of resources. Can you make the team better quickly? Now, I want to start this, Clive, by making one thing clear. If Uncle Stan is going to give us half a billion pounds this summer, then I don't care how we spend. You know, Manchester City can buy whomever they want because if it's a mistake, it doesn't hurt them. Same with Chelsea and almost the same with United, although United have shown that if you're dumb enough, no amount of money can get you off the table. So if Stan is planning to spend half a billion this summer, then yeah, okay, I don't care. Let's presume for a minute that there is a finite budget because there always has been, and I think it's silly to pretend that's going to change. Under those circumstances, the question becomes, how can we deploy those resources to make the biggest impact in our long-term success? And that is where the Ben White conversation starts for me. I think there are two ways you can evaluate the Ben White move, Clive. You can just say, is the player good? He's good. We're buying him. That's great. And if that's how you want to look at it, by the way, I would never be like, no, you can't do that. But the next question is, does 50 million pounds on center back this summer make us better enough, whereas that 50 million pounds going somewhere else might do even more. That's kind of how I'm inclined to look at it. But I'll, I'll turn it over to you to start with Ben White, good player, question mark, player we should be buying, double question mark. Um, yeah, Ben White's a good player. Um, six foot center back, a little bit light, but I don't mind that. I don't mind when you're light when you're 22, 23. Um, not super in the air, but really quick and unbelievable on the ball. Right, good player, multi-positional. Everyone listening knows the score with him. But let's talk. Let's talk system, shall we? Let's talk. Let's talk resources. We almost, if you're going to have this conversation, is it going to be a checkbook conversation or is it going to be a football conversation? Because if it's a checkbook conversation, then we can't have a football conversation because we're worried about what we're spending. If you're Arsenal Football Club, we're trying... I looked at last year and I thought, that's a development year. This year, for me, is about repositioning and upgrade. So we need to reposition ourselves within the Premier League. And what excites me about this buy is... Liverpool were in for a little while ago. They ended up going for... Um, oh, my memory's going, mate. Um, Canate. They ended up going for Canate. Mm -hmm. And Liverpool were in for him. When Liverpool were in for him, I thought, that's a smart move. Really smart move. Flexible defender, good on the ball. Absolutely key in modern football that your build-up starts from people at the back. Everyone, you you have a choice in football. You go around people, you go through people, you go over people. You need people at the back that can do all of those things and keep the ball. 
and we are not we don't have that ability to do that. We don't have the ability to fade all over the top because we, particularly on the right side, because we haven't got good distributors. Ben Wright, good distributor, right side defender, right side needs developing. I like it. Football conversation, I like it a lot. I really do. He can play in the back three. I know you don't like it in it, but he can play in the back three on that right side quite it's not easily. Me. Klopp doesn't um, like it. I, I like it fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really uh, we we haven't we haven't potted for a while, so maybe we can go along today, right? We can yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's cover all this. Get it all out. Yeah. Uh, so we can have a back three discussion. But let's have a back three discussion, right? So what does a back three look like? Right. So a lot of teams are doing it, and the reason why they're doing it is. It's easy to manage in game, particularly in tournaments, particularly in national level when you have less time with your players, because your system at the back is really simple. You can uh, you can you can do a back three with a diamond in front, or you can do a back three with two in front, and you create a box higher higher up. Right. So what you do in a back four, you have a in a four two three one, you have a box at the back. With a back three, you have a box in the middle, it's almost like Chelsea do with Kante, Jorginho. With um Mount and um Mount and say Havertz create a box, but it's a high box in the middle, and so it's for me it's quite an attacking system because you literally take a defender out <clears throat> with you you number ten boys you picky <laughs> all three of you really not just me you number ten boys you like an extra player in midfield, but if you have in your higher attacking midfield areas if you have number tens then you get double tens. And then it's about positionally holding your team together, stabilizing it with wing backs or various or various profiles, whether they be winger profiles, whether it be fullback profiles. And that's for the or James, two different two different players, two different things. One is far more attacking than another, finds far more front footed. So it's very simplistic. You have your exterior and your interior, you can just rotate your interior substitute. It's very easy to fix a problem on the pitch while having your stability. But in your back three, you must have the ability to build up. Scotland, great example, against um, Czechoslovakia. They played the back three with no Cheney, no McTominay. You're showing against your England. age. That's the Czech Republic now. Sorry. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and against England, they bring in Cheney, bring in McTominay, good in the ball, off you go. They're not just giving it away when they win it. They're keeping it and they're building play through Gilmore. Suddenly England got stressed and thought, you know what, we can't lose. Right? So the ability to build up is so, so key. So the back three gives you that chance. Numerical superior superior numerical. Numerical superior numerical, numerical advantage. Yeah, that's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you always have two strikers maximum, so you've always got that ability to build up there. So I I, I want to stress, I really want to stress this. It's very important that we understand this. And this is just my opinion. I'm, I may be wrong, but we need to move away from systems and think about what a player can do, because we end up in a two-three-five. Uh, you know, that's what everyone ends up being looking like. A two-three-five. You're five channels up. You have your two at the back, or you go three-two-five or two-three-five. It's very simple, but you must have ability to cover the zones. You must have ability to build up plays. So if you're behind the ball, you must have build up. If you're ahead of the ball, you must have devastation, penetration, all the things we speak about, attacking attributes, the ability to run through people, to roll off. And so if you've got the ability to manage those spaces, players like Ben White and Laconga and Party and Pasuma, all those names, they offer you that flexibility to do exactly what you want to do. The system that you have at the start of the game 
doesn't really matter because out of possession is a 4-4-2. In possession, it's a 2-3-5. That's what it ends up being. And then your player attributes decide what you can do in certain game states. I think that's the key thing for us to, to think about. So when I look at Ben White, I think, yeah, you're not bad. But what I know you can do is you can do what David Louise was doing for us. You can put that ball anywhere we like it. And so system-wise, I know you can play CDM. I know you can play right back. I know you can play right in the three. I know you can play right in the in the, in the two. What's not to like? Is what I mean? yeah. And, that's how I, and that's the other how I thing Luis used to do for us was to carry the ball upfield like we've seen Stones do for City more and more recently. And that's absolutely a Ben White uh, capability, as I understand it. Carrying the ball upfield, given all sorts of other options, uh, when the other teams dropped off. So um, he really does fit the David Luiz profile from what I can see. Yeah. He steps through, doesn't he, Paul? He steps through, yeah. sprints through. So if you try, if you stand still, you're going to try and block passing lanes, he'll say, okay, I'm going to run through you now. And yeah. then we're off and running. Committing Swiss, people. Swiss Army knife, basically. Uh, the, that, the, the one thing I'll say real quick. That's me talking myself yeah. into it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't. I, everything you said makes sense to me. The one thing I want to say to people, I've had some people say, what if we're signing him to be a right back? That would be bad. And the reason I'll say that would be bad is this simple. It's not that he can't do it. It's that if you're spending 50 million pounds on a player to then convert them away from their primary position and, and convert them into something else, 50 million pounds would buy you a lot of right back. Pretty much almost anyone you want. So I would say if it is a right back signing, just buy the right back you want. Um, you know, don't spend 50 million pounds on a center back and then say, I think we can make him a right back. That's too big an amount of money to project out what that player could be. So yeah, I would say that um, the, the solution for us, if we do buy Ben White, is only to use Ben White as a strike, uh, as a striker. That, that would be a hell of a conversion as a, a center back. And we'll see. I mean, um, I'll get into my perception of of the value of the move that we can have the checkbook conversation too because I think it's important. But Paul, just real quick, in terms of you know Ben White coming in and becoming that passing center back that we lose with David Luiz, I think there are people that will point to the fact that we have an 18-month younger player who is impressing in other places who we already own whose big superpower also appears to be passing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, Carrier Pigeon in the Discord sent me a bunch of stats showing something that I thought was interesting, which is a lot of the elite passing center backs show up really well on shot-creating actions, which is sort of a pass that occurs, you know, two plays before a shot happens, and Saliba does not show up well on that, which is interesting. But he does show really, really well on passing generally. So I'm curious how you feel about the idea of $50 million on a very good player who does give us that passing center back role, but given the fact that we have a, a center back that we already own, who's pretty highly regarded, who seems to have that quality as well. The Saliba conversation's an impossible conversation. I have found that, um, yes. Yeah. A circularly impossible conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think, interesting, there's a gap between maybe the player and where he needs to be for us to lock into him as the answer, the Ben White that we've been looking for. Like, he probably needs that year and a half, two years to be the answer. Not necessarily to be a part of the team or to be one of our players, but, like, to have to decide that your starters for next year are, say, Saliba and Gabriel when we're 
still trying to work out how solid and reliable Gabrielle is. I mean, if you go around this panel here, I think we all have varying. Uh, I think most of us think he's really good, but we're not totally positive. Most of us think it was an uneven year and he'll he'll hopefully be better this year, but he's very talented. And like Saliba is just a curve, uh, a, a, an, not an unknown, but um, a major gamble if he's your even more solid uh, centre-back partner for Gabriel that you're going to hang, hang your hook on. And I think what happened uh, this year is that the Cronkies, Josh came to Arteta and Edu knowing that we don't have 12 months, we probably have six months to get shit right or things will go tits up on us. He said, what do you need? Let's stop screwing around. What are the moves you need to get the team where it needs to be so that we're challenging for top four and our fullback position is top six? And Arteta looked at his center backs and said, Saliba plus Gabriel as my starting two. We're not there yet. Now, that's that's even ignoring all the other things that we may worry about, suspect might be a problem with Saliba and the relationship and the deal and, you know, why did he never play one minute for Arsenal when he was in our squad? Yeah, things we'll, we'll never know, frankly, right? So we'll, we'll always be arguing those points and no one will ever be able to answer them definitively. Yeah, but if you said to Arteta, what are the four or five moves you need this year to be top four, top five. Would Arteta like uh, Pep, like Klopp say, now I know you would say, oh, well, uh, uh, VVD was the last move Klopp made to be top level, uh, you know, along with the goalkeeper. But that aside, what are the four or five moves you need to, to get to the level you, uh, of confidence that you can get as top four, top six that he would get Ben White if Ben White is the dream we we would like to project onto him makes sense. He needs to be uh, in the Premier League. He needs to be ready to go. He needs to be there from day one. You know, he doesn't need to be Thomas Party coming from. We, we like I know we want to get distressed players at distress prices from Europe, blah, blah, blah. Well, it so does seem guy, to be a good summer for that, right? I mean, if, if ever there was yeah. a summer you wanted to raid Europe, they're all broke right now, and their players sure, can, sure. can be had at seemingly good discounts, yeah. Sure, but they may not be the answer to, how do we get this shit working from day one so that we don't have an Unai Emery problem in November? Or a Mikel Arteta uh, last season, November, December problem you're probably going to have to spend some money and get a player that's in the Premier League who's of the perfect age and has the abilities. If this guy is what we think he is, like, you might just have to go and spend the money and it might just be that the Cronkies have decided, let's spend the fucking money, not on one player, not on two players, but on four or five players, fix this thing, because we got to be able to hang with the Glazers for the next time there's a power move around the big teams and Europe and the UEFA version of the ESL or whatever it, yeah. whatever it is. I think this summer is different, and this is a move to say, let's stop fucking around. I, I will tell you this, Paul. If, in fact, Stan Kroenke has decided to give the club the money to buy five expensive 
tier one players, then yeah, we can we can have Ben White because at that point, like I'm in. <laughs> you know, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Like who who cares? I, I think the issue becomes whether whether we believe that's the case. Uh, Tim, one of the things that I think is really tricky is is your tolerance for risk and your willingness to roll the dice on talented players. And, you know, one thing I keep hearing is Saliba's not ready to be the starting center back for Arsenal. And, I mean, a lot of people point to Fofana at Leicester. You could point to Gabriel at Arsenal. Gabriel didn't have any probably has to be the main man, though, not just is he good enough to start for Arsenal. Somebody has to be the main man. We had David Luiz. I I hear you. So that's the real question. Is he ready to be the main man? I think we know the answer to that is no. Well, I, I don't believe that. I think he is ready, but that's just me. I know there are a lot of people that would disagree with that, and that's totally fair. I think my point is that I have a tolerance for risk at trying that because I think the money can go further in other positions to make us a better team. I mean, I look at Liverpool. Liverpool spent last season literally using like two of us from the podcast at center back at times, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Jordan Henderson played center back for them. They still finished in the top four because they had an elite attack. I think you can cobble together defenses that will suit your top four ambitions if you can really be good at the other end of the pitch. And I look at the other end of the pitch, and we have a lot of talent there. By the way, it's one of the reasons the back three doesn't totally suit us, in my view, is because in a back four, you can get four of Pepe, Martinelli, Aubameyang, Saka, Smithrow on the pitch. In the back three, you can only get three of those. But Tim, so let's let's talk value. Let's just assume for a minute that Ben White is very good. Let's assume that, mm. because I think he probably is. He's 18 yeah, months yeah. older than Saliba. We own Saliba. Do you think it makes sense, does 50 million pounds to upgrade from Saliba to White as a day one starter move the needle enough for Arsenal that that's where you would deploy the resources? I mean, personally, no. Um, but I've, I've got to say that with the caveat that I, I haven't really seen much of Saliba, so I, d- I don't really know how, how good or how ready he is. I, I think what... I guess what confuses me more about that situation is maybe giving the contract to holding. Um, because if you were to tell me, yeah, look, we're not going to bet on Saliba straight away. Um, and Saliba has apparently played left-sided centre-back before, so it's not like right-sided centre-back is the only spot for him. True, yep. But if he was going to come into like our rotation of four centre-halves, like if if we sell one of Holding or Mari this summer and buy Ben White, I, I think it makes a lot more sense if then Saliba then comes into the rotation with a view to pushing for um, a starting place in a season or two. That that makes quite a bit more sense to me. Um, I, I think I'm kind of with you in that I'm not sure, like I'm just not sure that Ben White pushes um the the needle you described that much like sometimes a defender comes along that does like Sol Campbell right and and I know oh we got him on a free but I mean salary wise we did not get him on a free there was a significant <laughs> amount of money um invested in Sol Campbell um or you know someone like Virgil van Dijk like yeah you do that deal because well we saw what happened Sol Campbell took us from 18 points off of Manchester United to winning the league um, in the in the space of one season, so yeah, you do that deal. I, I'm not sure Ben White is that player, and I guess the thing that, in a way, slightly concerns me is the way we're talking about Ben White is about him contributing to the attack and the way that we pass out from the back. And I completely understand that. And yes, we do need someone who can do that. I mean, the metrics suggest that Saliba can do it, um, and we did 
kind of lose that with David Luiz. But David Luiz missed a lot of games last season um, through injury. And so when David Luiz played all the time, we finished eighth. And when David Luiz missed more than half the games, we finished eighth. <laughs> so like, I, I'm not I'm not convinced it's it's something that's totally unsurpassable. Uh, for me, I would like to hear more about Ben White, the defender. If that's you know, if that's what we're spending our money on, don't get me wrong. I think we want we want and need someone who can do both, you know. But for, you know, for that kind of money, verse, and this is the other thing that that makes it difficult is we don't know what the budget is. Um, but I don't think any of us expected um, Arsenal to be signing pretty much anyone for fifty million, let alone um, a centre half. So it's it's kind of difficult, and I and I feel like a lot of the stuff I've seen, like, well, you know, actually we do need like a passing center back to, you know, to get up the pitch and to, to pass well from there. And, and I kind of think, yeah, we do. Like I completely accept that, but nobody was saying that in May, were they? Nobody was saying, I know what the, I know what solves our chance creation problem. Um, a ball playing center back. Like no one thinks that that's like, no, but that, like that helps, but you need a midfield, like a good central midfielder and a number 10. That's what kind of solves that for you. So um, it, it's obviously it's difficult to know without all of the pieces in place. But you know, with with Saliba, I just can't I just can't see how um, it's it's not bad news for him in t- in terms of his Arsenal future because everyone else is Arteta's guy, right? He bought Gabriel, that's his guy. He bought Mari, that's his guy. He gave Holding a new contract, that's his guy. Now, unless Arsenal have played a bit of 4D chess and have extended Holding's contract with a view to selling him, um, which, I, you know, I, which I think would be fine and would be a smart move, but you can understand why I don't think that's the case. Um, because like Arsenal and Smart Move don't really go together. Yeah, it's, it's not, not uh, been our well. strength, no. <laughs> so, so I mean, it is like there's there's a lot of like Occam's Razor going on, isn't there? It's like, oh well, I think we've bought Ben White, you know, to help our chance creation. It's like mm, we, I mean, we probably haven't, have we? And oh well, you know, maybe this will happen or that will happen. It's like, well, mm, Arteta's shown faith to differing extents in all of the centre halves except Saliba. So, yeah. I, you know. And until I see otherwise, I, I I think that that's that's what's going to happen. But I guess the other thing that concerns me, like you say, if Stan Kroenke has just said, sit back, boys, we're spending loads of money uh, this summer, fine. But whose money is it? Is it his? Does he expect it back? Is it Barclays money? Because if if it's if this is just more debt, then we do have to spend it wisely still. If he's given us like 200 million or he's taken or not taken, but got a loan from Barclays for 200 million or whatever, then that's money we have to pay back. So it does have to work. Like it just seems to me very unlikely that Arsenal under this ownership will ever be in a position to throw good money after bad. It's certainly not something that he's ever expressed an interest in doing in the past. It doesn't mean it can't change. Look, here's the good news. The good news is, I don't hear a lot of people saying Ben White isn't a good player. Everybody mm-hmm. seems to think he's a good player. The age profiles, Lakonga, Ben White, James Madison, uh, Andre Silva to some extent. I mean, for the most part, if you look at the players we're linked with, we don't seem to be making the super old expensive player mistake or, or we don't seem mm-hmm. to want to do that. We we are looking at players that by and large seem pretty good. I mean, I'm not even going to touch on the Ramsdale thing because it doesn't make any sense and I'm, I'm not prepared to, to live with <laughs> with that rumor yet. Um I think it really does, for me, just boil down to where can we spend money to move the needle the most? And 
this is a team that needs goals. And I do definitely hear the argument that a, a passing central defender does help you get those goals. So I am sympathetic to that. You know what I would analogize it to just a little bit, you guys. Think about Lacazette and Aubameyang. We bought Lacazette in the summer for $50 million. We turned around in January and bought Aubameyang for $60 million. Aubameyang is a sensational player who has been good for us. We probably shouldn't have bought him. Because at the end of the day, buying £110 million worth of strikers in consecutive windows just isn't smart. And it's not a surprise to me that we have actually gotten worse since they both arrived. Not because either are bad players, but because... We either tried to shoehorn both into the team, which sort of worked and sort of didn't, or at in any given game, you've got 50 or 60 million pounds sitting on your bench contributing nothing when you've got players starting for you who aren't very good, who do need to be upgraded. And so it was a situation where if we had Lacazette and Noah bombing, all right, probably not the quality of striker we'd want, but could we have put that 60 million on Aubameyang into a starter who would have moved the needle for us? Could we have been better across the board instead of deeper at striker, but not getting any better as a, as a squad. And so that's my only thing with Ben White, which is for a team that has Saliba, Gabriel, Marie, and Holding, a pretty good core of defenders, maybe not elite, elite, but maybe you get lucky and Saliba really is that good. Can you spend the 50 million? Can Edu say to Arteta, hey, yeah, I could get you Ruben Neves, but if you don't want Ben White, I can get you Jack Grealish. I can get you Camavinga. And I'm not saying we can get those players. I'm just saying, you know, that price range. Can you go from Ben White and Ruben Neves to trusting Saliba, hoping that works, and having holding in reserve, but getting a Camavinga or a Grealish? Can you can you use the resources to do more for your squad? And that that is really the question. And so we have a good player in our sights. It looks like we're going to sign him. It doesn't make us worse, but will it mean that we don't get something else that we could have gotten? Will it mean that, you know, and look, maybe it means we sell Saliba and we get $25 million back for him and it's kind of like, okay, we just went from Saliba to Ben White. That's fine too. I, it's, it's not the move I would like to see us make, but at least it's for a good age, good player who probably does at least come in and make us better. I mean, that, that is a step up from like debating whether Willian was a smart move. Um, but I think then we can have a similar conversation about James Madison and, and, and maybe a trickier one um, because Madison is a really good player at a good age and very expensive. And I think this, this one is a little harder, Clive, because I think everyone agrees it's a position we do need to upgrade. And now the question is just, is Madison the right guy? And, and this binary, unlike the Saliba Ben White binary, seems to be more of a OR Madison one. Now, here's the problem with that binary. It is just taking paper rumors and turning that into the narrative. And, you know, we could be disinterested in both players. We could have interest in a, in a wider net of those players. But I think the reason that binary is, is interesting is because it is a comparison of 60 million pounds to get proven Premier League quality or half that to roll the dice on a guy who profiles brilliantly but doesn't have that Premier League experience. So what's your thought on on Madison being the solution for that position for us? Uh, <laughs> interesting. You could brought a wire into it straight away. <laughs> Can I just do one last bit on, on Sleeper and White? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I didn't really give you a chance to talk through that binary. No, it's okay. I have loads of chat time. So basically, I see... I see two styles of centre-backs. Possession centre-backs and deep block centre-backs. We've got Holding and Sully and Gabriel, your block centre-backs... And we had Louise, 
as our possession centre-back. I mean, you could probably say Murray's a possession centre-back. Louise has gone, so we're, we're replacing a possession centre-back. Now, Saliba profiles as a possession centre-back. But there's something in all our waters that says we're, we're, not sure, we're just not sure he's going to be trusted. But I'll give you another scenario. Say Saliba comes back, goes on loan again to another club, signs a contract, goes on loan again for one more season, and then we sell holding. Saliba becomes homegrown. We don't lose that situation there completely. And then holding goes on well within contract and Saliba comes into the fold. It can easily happen. He's incredibly young. It doesn't mean just because he's not playing now. You know, we'd all love to see him so we can at least judge him. There is other scenarios out there, you know, for other people to do. And on the Madison thing, I will say when I saw this, this really excited me. And it excited me not because I thought it was a dead serp, because the rumours are okay, but not solid. But this is what I think we need to do, something like this. Because there is a time in your history when you have to let everyone know you're open for business, you're coming back. We do not buy enough in league. We take these risks outside of league too often, too many times. But as soon as the next unknown player comes up, we're ready to accept him. When a known player comes up, we're not too sure about that. We're not too sure about that. But we're happy to accept a Congo when none of us have seen him play a full game because he profiles well. He's interesting. But when we have an English player or a player that's done in the league, we just we really do find a way to rubbish it. I think it's something we have to change. Aston Villa put in the bid for Smith Road the other day, and I thought it was really smart and cute. They're repositioning themselves. They are saying we're open. They're looking at Arsenal as that antelope, which has fallen out the back of the pack, and the lion is coming to get it. We're the one in the top six pack that looks weak. And they're saying, let's just, just show how strong we want to be strong. We need to say, you know what? We want to be strong. I mean, we need to go to Leicester and take their top boy, the number 10. If we can do it, regardless of the rumours around it, that's good. That's a good way of repositioning yourself. The reason why I sort of snapped your head off earlier about the money, I don't want to have the money conversation. It's easy for Stan to load the debt onto us, and it's just done, and we're in trouble. We're already in trouble with the amount of money that's behind that he's taken on board. They can just put into the old KSC UK bucket, and he's sitting there, 600 million worth of debt, out of nowhere. We're open to that because we gave him the club. So we can't change it unless we get him out, which people have tried, and they're still trying, and it's not happening. What we can do is think about the trajectory of the, of the football club and how we're building the football team. And some of the rumours that we're linked to at the moment, I really like them for how they profile. I really like them how the messages they're sending to other people. They are saying, we are we are, re- we are readying ourselves. We are doing exactly the renewal we want to see happen. We're doing the change that needs to happen. And we've got to get comfortable with it. We really have. And Madison, you know, when Brendia went by, I, I really was disappointed by that because I really liked the idea of him. Again, I didn't know if he could do it in the league, but I think he can. And I think he's a really nice player. Madison has done it in the league. Nobody over the last few years has created more chances than him other than Kevin De Bruyne. He has done it in the league. We should be incredibly excited by this link. Incredibly excited. Because that's where your goals are going to come from. That's where your extra goals are going to come from, from creating for other people and for himself. And we're 10 to 15 goals short. Having centre-backs that can push up to the halfway line, having centre-midfields that can engage the play and create transitions, and having people who are not stupid up front and know when the right way to pass and can actually shoot themselves. 
I mean, we need that. We don't be watching Williams trundling about anymore. This is what we've done for a year. We don't need to wait two years for a £72 million player to arrive. We have to change our mindsets. We want it now. Because I guarantee you, mate, I guarantee you as I sit here, in October, we don't win the games we're going to win. Elliot, you'll be the first one saying, we've got to change the manager. I, I, I want to correct you there, though. I am happy to do that now. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. I usually, I'm, kidding. I usually, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm kidding. I'm, am I kidding? I, no, I use you as an example, but you're not alone, mate. Come on. There's people waiting around, waiting for but it I, to go But I hope you'd give me credit for, for this, Clive, which is that I, I don't think I'm the kind of person who is inconsistent in what I say I think we should do or how I think we should get there. Oh, no, right? no, no. So, so I, I'm not, like, if I say we should sign a war and we sign a war and he's not good, I'm not going to be like effing our tech. You know, like, I, I I try to live my truth on players I'm right about or wrong about. We did a whole episode on what we got wrong at the end of the season and my what we got wrong section was most of the podcast. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say. No, what, what, I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is that when I, I use you an example because you're here. Right? I am here, so yes. <laughs> what, <laughs> I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is people are happy for us to take these £20 million risks, which we've done for years, by the way. They're not worked out, right? Um, we're happy to take that risk. However... When when he goes wrong, they'll be the first ones to say, well, we need to change the manager, right? So but if I'm this manager right now, shall I tell you what I'm doing? I'm thinking, you know what? Everyone's circling their wagons for me. We finished eighth, first time out of Europe for 25 years. I'm not going to, I'm going to make sure I get what I need. I'm going to upward manage in this club. I'm going to get the money that I need. I'm going to get the players that I want. If I die, I'm going to die my way. I'm going to die with sure things. I like this direction. I like the technical direction. I like the fact they're in the Premier League. I like the physical direction. I like the. Te- I really like the sure-footedness of some of these moves. I really like them. And they're building something which football-wise I can recognise. And they could all blow up. Right? Missy said to me, you do this every year, Clive. You get excited, blah, blah, blah. We end- and we end up getting El Nini. And she's probably right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so, uh, and so I get excited. But I, I am more excited this year. Because of the things I've learned through you, Elliot. Some mm. of the, the ages, the profiles, the ability to resell. I like it. I really like what I'm hearing so far. Madison is a nice move. Yeah. And we shouldn't be it. Uh, we're going to continue add- the Madison. We're going to continue the Madison conversation. So yes, you're going to get to add, and Tim will get to add, and, I, and I'm going to do the Elliot reads numbers off FB Ref thing because that's that's the content people want. But I, I just want to say this really quick. The one thing that I believe is that you can get the exact quality you want without overpaying and the way you do it is you go to manscape.com and use promo code arsenal vision that's the way you do it you go to manscape.com use a promo code arsenal vision because why they got the perfect package well i mean you will have the perfect package they have a perfect package for you which is the lawnmower the weed whacker all their tonics and and lotions and potions and a beautiful carry bag and you get 20 percent off in worldwide free shipping when you go to manscape.com promo code arsenal vision i think the point here is with this this Vegas trip coming up, we're all going to be together. I don't know. Do you want to be the person, the her suit person, who who didn't mow the lawn? I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you want to stand out from the crowd. That's fine. Maybe you do. But I mean, I I just I just personally think that when 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 push comes to shove, if you want value and top top quality, which I think is what we're all looking for, you can get top top quality from Manscaped.com. And when you use promo code Arsenal Vision, you get supreme value. Remember, skin-safe technology, ceramic blades in this economy, you can when you go to manscaped.com. So, uh, yeah, it won't pull, won't tug, won't do any of that. It's waterproof, absolutely 
like insanely long battery life, a light so you can see what you're cutting, guard so you can do your sideburns or your chest, whatever you want to do. It is just the quintessential excellent uh, manscaping tool, which is why you can find it at manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision, 20% off free shipping. Do it. Do it now. Don't use the old razor that's sitting in your shower for weeks and weeks. Only bad things can happen there. Okay. Uh, Clive, is that enough of that? Yeah, I thought it was a really good one, actually. When you said overpay, I was about to go for you. Yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> so you are. Really good. I know you are. <laughs> Paul would have got there first anyway. So. Yeah. so, so Paul, I'll turn it over to you on Madison, but I, I want to just make this point. James Madison is a very, very good Premier League player at a very good age to buy a good Premier League player. For me, he's just the notch below elite to where I think I want to spend $60 million on him. Like, I would break the bank for Jack Grealish. I'd break all the rules for Jack Grealish. Again, don't give me the... You can't but get if this. I say no, I, it can't be Jack Grealish, who, because it can't, because he's going to go no, to I get, City right, right. or No, not. I get it. What so, I'm saying like, is... I don't think there's a lot between Madison and Grealish, and you can't have Grealish. Like, I don't they're, think it's that so, easy. So here's all I'm going to say. I'll, I'll turn it over to you, I promise. Here's all I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to say about it. Every metric of Madison's, his goals, his assists, his expected goals and expected assists, if you allow me those things, is shot creating actions. Like, they're all right around like 82 percentile, 85th, yeah. 80th percentile. They're like, they're, you know what it is? He's going to be 25, so this is probably the player he's going to be. He's been playing in a good team with a good mm-hmm. attack. So you can't do the whole, well, he's been on Norwich and he'll get better thing. I just look at Madison and I say, at 60 million, I just wish he was that little bit closer to elite because then when you look at like an Awar at a discount who profiles really elite, I struggle to see. And again, if we got Madison, I'd be over the moon. I just think maybe we might find that he's that one tick below elite quality for what we would spend on him. So with that, I will turn it over to you. But again, I want to be clear. It'd be a happy podcast if we sign him. I think he's on that borderline, that cut line where... For that amount of money, you could convince me it's it's not quite right. Sure. And like we're working with the rumors we have. Yes. Personally, I think sixty million for Madison. Uh, I like to think like those are the numbers they float around, and we wouldn't if we if we get them, um, we're not actually intending to pay sixty million. For I see what them. you mean. Yep. Mm-hmm. It might end up, but. It, you know, it's not going to be 40 million. So, like, if we got him for 50 million, um, I guess that might be closer to how I think this might play out. Still living in the rumor world. Um, look, maybe there's a pattern here, and maybe what we're going for is sure things. Now, Ben, ben White could be that player you're talking about, the one that's a notch above uh, the, re- the really good solid 80 percenter. But we're not going to get five brilliant players. Right now, they need somebody to do the Odegaard role, who they know is very, very, very good. And they know they're going to have to pay for him because they have to go to one of a couple of places. They go to distressed European sides and get that inspired risk. I agree, Awar profiles great. He probably is great. But... Uh, and he's well known to us, and Arteta liked him last season. But I don't think we're going back for him for a variety of reasons. I don't think that relationship's intact anymore. And rela- like relationships are somewhat important, and one can quibble and debate it, but I just don't feel it. I think 
I think they shat on us in, on the final weekend of the transfer season last year. Uh, trust is important. And like my betting would be, now you don't let that get in the way of good player at the right price, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't want us last year. He looked at us and and for whatever reason said, uh, I want to dick around with money or I think I can do better than you guys. Like that's not the basis of a great relationship. I think we can do better than you next year. Well, he can't apparently, or maybe he will do. But I just don't think Awar's the 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 other option. I think we're looking for the kinds of players we know what we're getting, and with Madison, much more than Awar, I would say we know what we will get because we've seen him. You know, um, uh, Arteta has done competitive analysis for City and for Arsenal against Leicester a whole bunch of times. He knows exactly what he will get in his team in the Premier League next year. In fact, I would say Madison is really close to playing exactly like Odegaard, a bit more dribbly, a few more shots, but then he's a little older, so he would be making uh, those additional shots. He'll get us the seven to eight goals as he did last year at Leicester at Arsenal, which is what we need to get closer to our 70 uh, goals with about 50 coming from five players. Well, we're going to need a few players who get seven, eight um, goals a season. That's what he got last year. He looks like he's he's about on for that and we'll add that ex- extra bit on top of what Odegaard did for us this season and maybe we'll do for us next year. I still think we would love Odegaard. This guy's way closer to Odegaard than Awar is in terms of style. I think Awar is closer to maybe even more a Smith Rowe, mm. more an 8-10 than a 10. So there's a style thing, maybe a bit more of what Brent, Buendia might have given us. I mean, different to Buendia, but still more of a kind of a dynamic. Awar is more of a dynamic runner like Buendia is. So there's there's a couple of different styles here. This is, Madison's very consistent with an Odegaard move for me, um, but more money. And I don't think they want to, spend that much more money but they like i i don't want them at 60 million if we're going to get you know if we're going to get all stat uh, and can i stop you about that for a second because i know there's going to be some people listening like saying jfc like it's not your money who cares like if he's good just buy and like i i always put this caveat in if the way you want to do the fandom thing is want us to sign good exciting players that you've heard of that you like watching and you don't care what the money is because it's not your money like I totally, totally get that. We're having a debate and a discussion that is centered around trying to think about how Arsenal can deploy resources to build a great team for the long term. But there is a way to do this, Paul, where you just say, who cares? We're getting a good player. I don't care what he calls. And and I totally get if there are people listening who don't want to get in the weeds on the money because they just, it's not their money and their attitude is, I like seeing good players play for Arsenal. So I just wanted to stop there because I... I know that there are times when getting this far down the path of of debating value will turn some people off because they don't understand it. And and my only answer to that would be, it is not thinking about value that has largely been what, you know, the funny thing is all those years where Arsenal was thinking about value and I was like, what's he doing? And I didn't get it. He kept us top four. It was when we stopped thinking about value and didn't sell players for money and did, didn't care about buying back strikers in consecutive windows. That's when we wound up finishing eighth, you know? Yeah, look, I'll wrap up with a quick point on the money, which is 
Um, ignoring the money is like deciding to ignore gravity, right? It's a thing. Um, it is a bounding condition. It, it, it makes things finite. There, is, there will be a budget, and the money will have an impact. It may not be our money, but it's like saying, well, it's not Arteta's money. Well, guess what? It kind of is his money. Because if he spends he it badly, going, he gets a bad team. <laughs> he gets a bad team and he won't get any more players and he does not have anything like an infinite amount. I don't know what his budget is. Is it 50 million, 150 million? It's not his money, but the budget is. It's not our money, but it kind of is because that's the money available for our players and our, our team. And if they piss it away, we won't get the, like you can't. If you just want to talk to players and the transfers and don't care about the money, you're going to be a bit confused when you're not getting the players and the transfers next year because you spent all the money. Um, so I agree with you. You may not want to engage on it, but to say to ignore it is fine if that's the way you want to do it. But it's not actually ignorable. Ignoring gravity is fine, too. But don't jump too high and don't jump off any walls. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. And, and so, Tim, I think... Here's the difference for me with Madison versus Ben White. It is my contention that we we can get by without signing a Ben White, that it's a position we don't need to strengthen. I know some people would disagree, but I'd be okay rolling the dice on the core of center backs we currently own. I do think Madison is a player in a position where it makes us better and we do need to strengthen. Mm. And so I'm a lot more open to just saying, screw it. He's a good player. That'd be exciting. I mean, let's be clear about what you're you're getting He's a guy who's probably good for about six goals and five assists. Like that's, you know, that's about what you're getting. Six goals and four assists. I mean, that's, now again, he does other things. You know, end product isn't the only thing that an attacking midfielder does, um, but he's not super dribbly. You know, shot creating is about 80th percentile. So like, I think, I think it is a player I could get really excited about. I have to admit, Tim, there's a part of me that's like, I consider Leicester a really smart club. And, they're ahead of us in the table and they don't really need money. And if they're willing to sign Madison entering his prime for 60 million, <laughs> I have to admit there's a part of me that's like, why? <laughs> why why yeah, are they willing yeah. to do that? And that's not fair, right? Because, you know, one team's trash is another team's treasure. And, you know, they may feel that they they have other needs that they have to finance. So, so I get it. But in general, is it possible to simultaneously say that you'd be excited about this player and know that he's a good player and also think if we spend 110 million pounds on Ben White and James Madison, isn't there a, a world where that 110 million pounds goes farther? Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that is reasonable. I'm I'm more excited about the Madison link. Um, I mean, I do wonder if we could get the same thing Thing, more or less on the continental market for quite a bit cheaper i mean i don't have any names so i can't say that for sure i i like madison a lot um and one of the reasons i like him a lot is i think there's more in him um so you know you you've um you've referenced some of his data there i do think there's more potential in this player one of the things i really like about him is that I think he can, well, at, at Leicester at times last season, he started to play that kind of advanced eight role. Um, when Leicester played uh, Chelsea at home, um, and indeed I think when they played Liverpool, they played this kind of 3-5-2 so they could get Vardy and Ian Acho in. 
Um, and Madison played a, a lot more like Mason Mount does actually for Chelsea, where he did this dual role where he was both a number 10 and a number eight at the same time. So when Leicester didn't have the ball, he was a central midfielder. And when they did, he, he was a support striker. Um, and that's kind of what I quite like about him is that I, th- I think he's quite um, versatile like that. Like if we moved to a 4-3-3, like I was talking about earlier, I could see Madison in that. And I like, um, like, I think he takes quite judicious shots. Um, I'm, I might be wrong about that, but he's got like a good shot from range. But I, I don't get the impression that he just balloons the ball over the bar 20 times a game like that he does Thomas actually Party does <laughs> well yeah or, or even Felipe Coutinho like someone like that who does score the odd blinder from range but it's totally not worth it because he smacks it into the stands 14 times a game um I, I think there's a really smart player in Madison um I, I guess one thing I do wonder about with all this kind of um you know non-negotiables and stuff like that like Madison has had has run into some issues over uh, what we could broadly umbrella term as as attitude issues, and indeed came out of the Leicester team at the end of last season. I mean, he had he's he's had this niggly groin injury as well. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much of a problem it's that a, is in the long term. Problem to him, it? and that's a worry. Like Smith Rowe, yeah. those hips and pelvic issues, they always scare me a little bit. If I'm honest. Yeah, and that might be why Leicester would be willing to do business, and so we'd really have to do our homework there. Um, but I, I, I like the player um, quite a lot, and I think he's quite, I think he's quite switched on. Um, you know, quite an outgoing type as well, and and we're we're quite like a quite a quiet team of of nice boys, and like having, uh, you know, I think we could start, particularly in attack. I think you can have like a bit more of that kind of um, extroverted personality in the group um, wouldn't be too bad. I don't know how that would go down with Arteta, um, but I, I guess it's how you channel. I'm not saying like he just hates all extroverts or anything like that. It's just, I guess it's how you channel it. But I, I like the player a lot. I just wonder if we could get better value elsewhere. Yeah, I, I it is interesting. Look, we're not in a position to turn our nose up at good players. I get it. I think where we've been burned is we've gone really big in ways that proved inefficient. Like The one thing that we should all be clear about, guys, is that we have finished eighth in consecutive seasons. You can blame Emery, Gazidis, Arteta, Edu, Raul, blame wherever you want to blame. The way you wind up eighth on a fourth or fifth place wage bill is you spent poorly and you sold poorly. And we need to correct that. And so, of course, we have concerns about that. And I understand if people want to just go out and buy you know expensive players from the Premier League that are good and can come in and help us right away, and I do too, let's just make sure they're the right ones. And I think James Madison's a really interesting one, more interesting than Ben White, because he is clearly good. What is a good price right now? If OR, whose underlying metrics are all mid-90th percentile, is a 25 million pound player, but has warts, warts like maybe he didn't want to come to us or he played in league on. And James Madison is a 60 million pound player, but he profiles, you know, below that statistically, but he's been in the Premier League at a good team. Which one should we go for? I think it is a really interesting debate. And I don't think, you know, unlike the Ben White one where I have stronger feelings, I don't think that there's a clear right answer here. Um, I can do think can the, I add yeah, a yeah, quick please. thing, which is just my personal philosophy? Uh, I have a little elasticity on the money topic, right? Which is at this point in the summer, I'm like 
the person running around the expensive clothes shop gathering up all the things they'd like to purchase and then at the the end i'll lay them out and kind of see what goes with what and then check my budget and then say kind of what work what what can i actually afford what can i actually take home like you, you got to put all the deals together to work out where we're it, where we're at when we work out kind of what the budget is so i'm going to be a little elastic you know can, should, do i actually think arsenal should spend 50 million plus 60 million plus 50 million on neves or whoever we get plus uh what else are we going after that's big to, you know lacongo <laughs> Ramsdale, <laughs> you know, you add it all up and it comes to 150 to 200 million. Okay, I might, there's, there might be a compromise or two to mix in there. But at this stage in the summer, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to look at it a bit more like of 150 to 200 million than I have 100 to 120 million and the decisions get tougher. Um, like, I do think we can dial in the money conversation as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. So, Clive, I mean, let, let's wrap up on Madison, then we can get to a couple odds and ends here, which is just that one of the interesting things for me is that I look at Smith Rowe and Saka and Pepe and Martinelli and Aubameyang and William, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, and Lacazette, he's still here for now. Um, Balogun, there's, there's talent up front. We need to turn that talent into more goals, but one of the ways teams get better is organically, right? Like Mason Mount, you know, won a Champions League this season, no one knew who he was a season before, or at least, you know, beyond the Chelsea world, I, I presume. So Saka, Smith Rowe, Gabriel Martinelli, like they could all take leaps forward next season. Is there an argument that really where we need to get better is actually right back in central midfield? And then if we can buy a party partner who is absolutely elite and get a right back who can do on the right what Tierney does on the left, that actually those positions more than anything else can move the needle because I know we've looked at Andre Silva, and I know, or, you know, I say I know we've looked at it. I know the rumors link us to that, um, and, and James Madison, and Ben White. They're, you know, and Lakanga is a central midfielder, but like we said, more of a party uh, heir than a party partner. Other than Ruben Neves, which has gone a bit quiet, we haven't really seen exciting links for the party partner position or for right back. And that's interesting to me because those positions seem to be two that that I think can really move the needle quickly on what we can do this season. Do you agree with that assessment? Oh, absolutely. I, I really do. I think what worries a lot of people is not just these rumors, but they're not in the order that they would like. It's a great point. They're not in the order of priority they would like. So we, There's two things we're not sure about, three things we're not sure about. We're not sure about the overall budget. We, we know we have a truckload of players to sell. Right? And to be fair, there's a lots of rumours on a lot of our players to go out the door. And I wasn't surprised by that because a lot of these players have actually played uh, and are playing. They, they do become assets we can sell. The ones we chinned in January, we couldn't sell those. Right? They had to go. We had to pay them to go. Right? So, so we're not sure of our budget. We're not sure who we're going to sell. And I think... And the order is, is, is challenging for us because we all look at the game differently. I mean, you guys, it's no surprise that you, Elliot, and, and you, Tim, are happier with the Madison um, rumour because you like your forwards. You like your tens. You like those players. I always look at the back door of the team. I look at centre mid and I look at centre backs and full backs. Once I see that, 
I, I see that area of the team as enablers for the front area of the team. I don't see an issue in the front area of our team. We just we are just not very good at building up. We are not very good at transitions, and we are not very good at passing the football from the back end of the pitch consistently. And we don't we haven't got the ability to stop people in areas which benefit us. We stop people too late in the show. So the talent we have up front spend too much time running back, helping out slow centre mids. And they're not in the areas we need them to be. So by by doing pull, I can hear pull or he typing. <laughs> but by pushing things up, we get we get the ball into the areas we want them to be. More often, doing what they what our top talent is, we we get them to see them in those areas of the pitch far more, far more. I think that's really, really an important thing for us to all sort of grab and because we all watch the team. We all see the team running backwards a lot. We all see the defenders running back into their own box a lot because there's nothing in the way to stop people running through over the hill. We all watch this, but we forget this, and we talk about our talent as if it's in the right place all the time. And it's just not. We haven't got... You know, like I looked at Madison online just now, and his shot-creating actions are huge. I'm thinking, wow, that's massive. What do we speak about on here? We don't get enough shots. You know, we don't get enough shots. We don't score enough goals. We need to think about those enabling attributes to make that happen. Yeah. I really think it's important. And I, and I think, so I agree with you. Right back, not enough for me. We need a first 11 right back, without a doubt. Prepare to see two of the others go. And centre mid, there needs to be a blockbuster there, a blockbusting signing that says, you don't come through here. You know, you don't come down this middle. And when you do, you're going to get munched, right? You don't come down this middle. It's an important aspect to a, a team framework, right? So I do understand the, the right centre-back thing. But if Saliba's who we think we all want him to be, then it's not an issue. It's not a priority. But we don't know. Do yeah, you mean? I do. I do. And so, yeah. so, so those are the positions for me. And then and then the, the 10 or the creative player, the multi-positional creative player, I think it's an enabler for the two young kids in Smith Rowe and Saka, who I don't want to see flogged. I don't want to see them flogged. I want that William bloke out. And so it starts to become quite changeable, quite positively, quite quickly. But I think we've all got an order in our mind. If that's not being facilitated, along with the cost, I think this all becomes a challenge. And we also don't know who's leaving. And there's money there to be made. And that dictates the budget, and we go from there. So there's so much to do, and it's very difficult for us to quantify and feel comfortable. It it is interesting, because it it is a jigsaw puzzle. Players need to go. Um, Some need to come in, obviously. Uh, We finished the season in eighth for the second season in a row, so there's a lot of panic about, you know, can we do the deals we need to to get us better quickly? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I think your point about timing is a really, really important one because how we may think about the deals we do might be different if we knew the other deals that we're going to get done. I mean, Paul, how do you feel about that? Where where the resources need to go to make the most impact? Because I've kind of talked myself into the idea that that right back and center mid are, are actually positions where we can have the most impact on our immediate success. Um. Yeah. I think we kind of, unfortunately, need to do a bit of everything. Um, but, you know, as Clive's talking... <laughs> okay, let's talking, do that instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think as Clive's talking, like, yeah, centre mid, we clearly need a number 10. So we got to do that. 
um, to get the attack firing, it's a little bit of the toothpaste thing in that we build from the back and we will continue to build from the back. Um, and we want to mix it up a little bit so that it's not always predictable to the other side that we're absolutely going to kamikaze play it out from the keeper. But we will need a secure back line. And I think, you know, we have mentioned this this in this pod, but there's the discussion around, well, defense wasn't really our problem last year. We didn't concede a lot. That was one area of strength for us. But I don't think it was an area of strength because our back line was great. Mm. It was an area of strength because we fell back. We kept a controlled shape. We didn't engage in tackles. Our, our tackles, our interceptions are low. We basically passively stood off, kept solid, didn't embarrass ourselves, uh, regained the ball at some point from a kick out, uh, um, you know, regaining possession because they took a shot and we get the ball back off them. Very basic form of solidity at the back. And if we're going to attack, if we're going to be more attacking, more shots, more front loaded, leaning over our ski tips up front, we're not going to have a secure back line next year uh, with the same base, basic personnel. We're going to need uh, center backs who can provide the cover to the team while they lean forward and rely on a degree of solidity at the back that isn't going to come from holding players back, holding the structure to the same degree, being passive in in our defensive third and waiting for them to cough up the ball and and hand it over. We're going to have to come at them a bit more, uh, push up the field, expose ourselves, which you couldn't do with with David Luiz, for example, because he didn't have the legs for it. Um, We were so within ourselves defensively, it held us back in the other areas of the pitch. I mean, we shouldn't have struggled November and December just because we didn't have a number 10. Other people have produced attack uh, without having a, a a bona fide number 10. But we couldn't do it because, or at least the manager wasn't trusting enough that we could do it because he thought we'd lose the one thing we had, which was some degree of control, solidity at the back. And so I think you've got to, like, the answer could be Saliba, but he's 20. I don't, that doesn't, that smacks of talent. It doesn't smack of the guy to run the defense. And I think that's where we're, what we're looking for there. So I think we need to do the Ben White thing as much as the midfield. Like if you told me we'd party in Chaka next year, uh, I, I'd I'd you, I'd kind of have the same perspective you have, but the other way around, which is that's good enough. Now what we've got to do is get a an a, uh, an option at the number ten spot, uh, centre back and. Uh, f- decide what we're doing at the right back or the Kieran Tierney side because we need an attacking winger when Kieran Tierney's injured. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm inclined to get, as you know, I, I don't believe in buying backups. <laughs> so I would just let Saka play left left back when Tierney's out. But Tim, I mean, you could very easily tell me that we buy James Madison and Ben White and start the season with Elneny next to party and Chambers at right back and we finish eighth again. I just, like, I, I think this is why people really go down the rabbit hole of, of where resources go because you can spend a lot and not make yourself any better. 
Uh, and we have done mm-hmm. that. You know, we have done that. So yeah. I, I, I kind of want to tie off the conversation about transfers here. I mean, we all agree, I think, that that both Ben White and James Madison are good players, are young players. That's an exciting change from where we've been in the past at times. Um, Lakanga seems like a smart move for the future. But mm-hmm. if we don't get a really good partner for party, and if we don't upgrade to a, you know, a really first choice right back in a, in a period where it does look like fullbacks are ever increasing in the, in their influence in the attack. Isn't it possible that we could spend pretty big and, and not move the needle? Yeah, that is absolutely possible. I saw um, a tweet from someone the other day that just says, I've got this real concern that Arsenal are going to win the transfer window again and then start the season <laughs> terribly. <all> which... <laughs> We're great at that, Amy. I mean, yeah. And guess who's going to get player of the month in, uh, yeah. in August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will it, will it be Madison or White? Um, but but yeah, exactly. And it's weird, isn't it? How like we've we've gone completely the other way from being the ones on deadline day going, oh, why didn't we buy this? To going, oh, wow, we've bought loads of players and oh, God, they're all shit, aren't they? What's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> and, and so it, it, it like that absolutely could happen. I have to say I could live without a right back for a season, like while we're all uh, making concessions. And I think we all accept some concessions are going to have to be made that we can't strengthen everywhere. And actually, we probably shouldn't try because if we do that, we'll be buying like eight or nine players and that will be too much. Like I think rebuild should happen incrementally. I, I'd be, uh, you know, I'm dubious as to us getting rid of Cedric. I don't think that's going to happen. So if it's Chambers and Cedric for a season next year and we take up that option on Chambers I could live with that um, for a year and then see where we go next year whether you know we give Chambers another contract to be back up or whatever like I think that's that's um, something we can kick into the long grass a little bit um, I, I don't think we can in midfield um, or at number 10 and so um, like absolutely like if 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 we buy Ben White but El Nenny starts 25 games next season then I don't think we'll finish much higher in the league um, but, but if we is, sell Chanka, surely we get a yeah, good yeah, yeah. midfielder. I, I, I think so. I think so. I'd be very surprised if that happened. So, and and again, look, like look, we might buy, um, you know, we might buy Ben White for fifty million, and he sorts the defence. Lukonga could sort the midfield. Um, I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like he's more of a party analog, and that makes a lot of sense, by the way, because you don't want to be in a position like we were several times last season, where Thomas Partey's out, and you go. Uh, we haven't got anyone else remotely like this, and we're playing Ceballos. We um, needed at least two central midfield signings, so getting one that's young and for the future and an analog for yeah. Party seems really smart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and as we discussed um, when we signed Party, he's 107 and passed it now. So um, yeah. we need to think yeah, about replacing way him anyway. Too old. Everybody agreed on that, Tim. We didn't <laughs> hey, get any it, hot water. You, stop I mean, it, you two. I he's going to be 30 someday. For God's sake. <laughs> I know he's he's basically out to pasture already yeah, exactly. um so so those those things um kind of make sense but but do i need to yes, put a trigger like, warning on this episode now <laughs> yeah, go ahead. but but yes that 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 very well could happen and it has happened several times i i i would say i guess in closing i agree with clive though in that none of like we're having we're having a debate about um whether ben white is worth blowing the family silver on but we're not having a debate about whether Willian is worth 200 grand a week for three years. And that represents progress. And I'm really, really hopeful that that represents either a lesson learned or maybe someone left the club that is not doing those deals anymore. Um, I take your pick. Like I I'm hopeful that 
that that's kind of the case. And I do like the age profile. Um, I'm, I'm not sure we need to buy absolutely everyone from the Premier League. Um, I kind of get it in one or two signings. If you go, no, we want this guy to be Premier League ready. But um, to be honest, I wouldn't make that an absolute priority in every position. And to be fair, the, the links with Lukonga seem very real. So it doesn't seem to be. But then again, Lukonga is probably going to be a backup player, whereas White and Madison, are, you'd presume, will go straight into the starting eleven. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I think we're in a, assuming there's truth in all of these things, I think we're in a better place than maybe we were last season. It's just, are we in the optimal place? And and that will probably become apparent in the next few weeks. Yeah, it is definitely a situation, though, where like there's a lot of links, and a lot of them are interesting, and there's a lot of outgoing links, and a lot of those are interesting. And there's an international tournament going on. Hopefully when that ends, things will pick up. But like it's a lot of business to do, and it's going to have to start getting done. And I guess what I would say to you, Clive, is all of these signings sound interesting, but surely the outgoings are almost as interesting and as important to understand what we're going to be next season. And I don't think we're really any closer to knowing for sure, but is it fair to say in your mind that, that Granit Xhaka is going to go, that we are going to try to shift Lacazette, that um, um, I guess Elneny will probably stay, maybe Hector Bellerin will go, we're you know, trying to get that done, Maybe one of the center backs will go. I mean, do you do you have a feeling for the for the outgoings? Because it, that feels almost as daunting right now, to some extent, as the incomings. Yeah. So based on me scrolling through Twitter and news now, this is what I think is going to happen on outgoings, right? So Guendouzi mm-hmm. looking at uh, Marseille, though Dortmund are sniffing, right? So that's going to get that price to twelve, maybe fifteen million euros, maybe, right? So um, twelve million quid. So that's him done, gone. Torreira, probably similar number, fifty million pounds maybe. Um, I think it's uh, Lazio looking at him. Yeah, back to Syria. So um, Lazio looking at him. So it's going to happen, right? We know that he doesn't want to come back to this side of the world. Hates it, right? Hate it after three months. So he's done. The interesting one is obviously Maitland Niles, um, Crystal Palace, Southampton looking at him. Eddie Nketiah, Watford looking at him. Um, Joe Willock, we know Newcastle looking at him, trying different ways to get the money up, pretending their skin, pay the 30 mil and you can have him. <laughs> uh, that's that's decent money there, just from the three homegrown players. Decent money, right? So then you're probably looking at, well, Lacazette's one thing I've not seen anything on Lacazette. William will walk out on a free and we'll probably end up paying the portion of his money, right, for this couple of years, depending where he lands. Klasnik looking at Trabzonpol in um, in Turkey. That's another small number there, three, four million euros. Anything else? Luis already gone. Sabah's already gone. Odegaard's already gone. This is significant changes it's here. It's a lot of change. You know, the one thing Arsene Wenger was renowned for saying is you want to change maybe like two or three players at the most in a summer. Um, we're, not, we're not having that, are we? No. We're, not, we're not having that. We know this is not right. Eighth twice. We can't sit here and say, but these guys all need to stay. I know you're not saying that, Elliot. No, we, God, I can't. <laughs> get them up, they can all go. He did change quite a few the summer we got beat 8-2. Yeah, yeah the, the trolley dash, yeah. Are we gonna... All of this is uncomfortable. And I said it last week, you know, we've got to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable because this is what change is. It, it's uncomfortable. You're seeing people that we've grown to like, 
you know, really grown to like. Hector Bellerin, I heard we didn't speak about, I missed him off. Brilliant podcast called High Performance Podcast out there at the moment. I urge anyone to listen to it, to learn, to, to hear about this guy talk, hear this depth of personality. And there's a bit on us in there about the culture in the dressing room, etc. Et you cannot fail to like this guy after listening to him talk for an hour. You, you just can't. And I've critiqued him as a footballer significantly over the last year or so. He's going to go. And I feel the club will be poorer for it. I'm not happy about it, but I know he needs to go before we move on. And he needs to move on for his career. It's not comfortable. It really isn't. But we've got to grasp this. Because we will not move the needle at all. And this would be quite depressing. Quite depressing. Well, there's always time to be depressed. You know, I'm always willing to do that. But but I think it's the time of the summer where, where hope springs eternal. One last little bit of hope that, that's sort of breaking late is an Andre Silva link. That's pretty tasty, I would say, Paul. I mean, do you do you agree? I mean, I, I it is really again so typical Arsenal that there's there's a lot to be excited about. And then I think about you know the the money we we've, we've spent to sign Aubameyang and and the fact that Willian's still here and like it's you know you you try to to question can we dig ourselves out? But Andre Silva signing that that's one heck of a way to to move forward at the striker position. What do you, what do you think about that link or forward anyway? I know absolutely nothing about Andre Silva. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you uh, that I, I think you tell tw- me. Sure. Well, he plays for Frankfurt. He scored twenty-eight goals with seven assists. Now, to be fair, seven of those goals were penalty kicks. But if you just want to go to my my favorite, the underlying metrics, he's ninety-seventh percentile in uh, expected goals, seventy-eighth percentile in expected assists, ninetieth percentile in shots. Um, he is in the 90th percentile for touches in the penalty area and progressive passes received. I mean, he, he's a player who is very active at, at the sharp end of the pitch, takes a lot of shots, scores a lot of goals, and gets a lot of assists. Looks pretty elite. He's going to be 26. So, I mean, obviously a lot older than I'd prefer to sign, but you can't have everything I kid. Um, yeah, and, and Portuguese, I'm probably going to see him play for Portugal in their next game, to be fair. So, uh, does, that, does that interest you? Does that excite you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just watching his video now. It looks fairly tasty. He is tasty. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if we get rid of Lacazette, um, uh, we've had this conversation before. I think we need some a, a striker between um, Alba and, say, Balogun. And I, I, I think if we can move Lacazette on, we have to. And therefore, getting a... Uh, and we need goals, and we need goals next season and I think we've also seen that while we need to make sure we give Aubameyang everything he needs to be successful next season and it's a less crappy season than the COVID one and the one he personally went through and all of our ups and downs we we can't like if they've said to Arteta what do you need to guarantee success next year uh, he's going to lead with Aubameyang but he needs a really good backup plan and if it's time to move on Lacazette, this, you know, a 26-year-old striker is probably a year older than we want him to be. But, hey, uh, you take care of that with the money side of things. So uh, what's a year between friends? And when you see who's running around scoring goals at the age of 33 these days, not to get not to get you all fired up about age curves, Elliot, but... Uh, um, <laughs> But I probably did just a little bit there. I mean, I mean um, I'm always fired up about age curves. We could do another 100 minutes on that if you want. <laughs> just get, yeah. <laughs> get but, in. Uh, 
Yeah, no, uh, uh, that's all I have. Yeah. This, could, this looks and feels from the 1% of the iceberg, I can see, like the right kind of signing to slip between Aubameyang and Balogun. Well, so then we, we should get out of here, but let me let me just ask you this, Tim, real quick. You know, we talk about mm. the outgoings. A lot of work needs to be done there. Talk about the incomings and the positions that, that you know, all of us think are, are priorities. I think you can make an argument that there is actually nothing more important at Arsenal over the next season or two or three than making sure to keep the path as clear as possible for Saka, Smithrow, and Martinelli, who all look like they can be elite. I mean, if you want to, if you like data, go look at Martinelli's data. I know it's small sample size, but you talk about elite. Holy cow! Um, is is there a really, really, really important undercurrent to any business we do here, which is don't do anything? that blocks the path of those three players or is that small club thinking? And at some point we just have to bring in good players and, and let them duke it out. I think, I think a little bit, a mixture of both. I mean, with Saka and Smith row, they're already in the 11. Yeah. Um, their path is stands, so yeah, exactly. They, they've made their path. I, with Martinelli, perhaps it's slightly different just because um, it's difficult to see Martinelli, Pepe and Abamyang in the same team. Um, unless you do interesting things with the formation, or you just start to say, "Well, let's let's start the project of phasing um, Abamyang out," and we've had that discussion about how you use Martinelli. But I, I mean, I think that that should definitely be a, a big part of it. Yes, um, quite frankly, Al- although you know the the day is going to come. Well, I mean, we're already getting offers from Smith Rowe, albeit from Aston Villa, but the day is going to come where our resolve is probably going to be seriously tested for all of those players at various points. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think what you want to, particularly someone like Smith Rowe as well, who we're trying to convince to sign a contract that I, I would very much think the discussions are geared around. Here's how we see you in our starting 11 for the next four or five years. Um, so that, that makes absolute sense. Um, and and yeah, like ultimately, one of the lessons I, I just really want to see Arteta learn is that bet on talent over experience. Bet on like always bet on talent. I I used to work at you know obviously not in sport, but I I used to work in like talent and careers, and you know we used to do stuff like for the for the government, and we used to do stuff like going to graduates and saying, look, we can't pay you now like you can get paid in the private sector, but we can look after you. And we basically put them on like an acceleration scheme and say, but we'll get you to one of the top grades in a couple of years. And without exception, those people were brilliant to work with because they felt invested in. And it was like, look, if you give us a bit, we'll give you a lot. And just without exception, those people became great, like young leaders. And and that, you take that gamble because by the time they're in their late 20s, they're in like they're pushing towards director roles, you know, making big decisions. But it, it just like I just can't think of many times it didn't work, you know, because you find talent and you bet on it and you invest in it. And honestly, like, you know, you've heard me say before that experience is the most um, overrated attribute in football, um, and and I'd really like to see Arsenal learn that. I'd really like to say, which is not to say experience doesn't have its place or completely do away with it or whatever. But just look what happened last season. Um, you know, we bet on experience with Willian and Cedric, and what the fuck did that get us? Yeah, everything good about last season was basically when we bet on the young talent. 
Um, and so I, you know, I, and obviously it's because they're good as well. You don't just bet on every young player. We didn't bet on Eddie Nketiah or Reese Nelson, and that's kind of fine. But that's that's the talent question, right? Talent, talent, talent. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, it is always. Just, yeah, please, Clive. Let's let's finish with, with your thoughts I, I, I on this because otherwise it'll just be too long. Put a framework around that because I, I agree with that. When you're when you assume the word experience, you're, you, we assume the top end. We assume the 32-year-olds, et cetera, Cedric, et cetera. And I agree with that. No need no need for that. Why pay them money, et cetera? They, they don't do it. But Ben White and Madison are good examples of experienced young talent. And that's the lesson I think we're learning. You know, Ben White is three years, three seasons in the English League. That's got experience, but he's still young. He's still got masses of development time. Madison, 24, still young, known to the league, known to the environment, been to the grounds, home and away. I think we might actually be learning something. You know, and if we're going to do it, this is what we need to do. You know, for, and I, and I, and I, I like it. We may end up not talking about these guys. We talked about Taps Over a little while ago, there, wouldn't we? Not talking about him anymore. He's gone. You know what I mean? So rumors move on, but I, I do like the direction that the rumors are heading. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think it is it is interesting because we look at our uh, hilarious neighbors, Tottenham, who, let's be clear, still, as of recording, do not have a manager. You are still eligible to be Tottenham manager if you go to the website and, and register. But, you know, the, the, the fact is, they're in a situation right now, look, look at their situation. Manchester City have, have offered them £100 million for Harry Kane. These are the kinds of things that clubs have to think about, which is, do they want to do that thing where they dig their heels in and say, you can't have our captain, you can't have our academy player, you can't have our best player, and they want to hold on to this guy and then find out midway through next season that his ankles are you know, pretty much toast and he's in his decline, or are they going to take the money and rebuild and, and spend it wisely? And I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I hope they keep the good player because... You know, all of the things we're learning right now are that the things we thought just five, ten years ago really aren't the case that actually selling when the value is at its highest and using that money intelligently, that's how you become a really good team. What if Spurs won with Harry Kane? Oh yeah, that's right. Nothing. And long may it continue. But that's the point, right? The goal isn't to puff out your chest and hold on to your players and have good players that people have heard of. The goal is to win stuff. And there are smart ways to get there. And, you know, I, I, I hope that we start to find those solutions and do that. Um, you know, and, and you know, you look at, at Spurs, the fact that they have a player worth $100 million is is pretty hilarious. And I think it'd be even funnier if they don't take the money for it. So let's hope that's the case. I think we can leave it there. There's going to be a lot more of this to come. And I, th- I think, obviously, when the Euros are over, I think we'll see an explosion of activity, or at least hopefully we're going to need to, because there's a lot that has to get done. Um and we could be looking at a very, very different team next season, and, and that'll be exciting. And we have just really one goal to focus on, and that's the league. So I think the plan is at least pretty clear for Arsenal, and we'll see how we execute. It is definitely a summer that's going to tell us a lot about the team of people that are in charge of this stuff. Because we've kind of given them a pass and a blank slate and said, you know, the errors before were actually Raul's, or they were Gazidis's, or they were Emery's, or they were, you know, this, that, or the other. This is their summer to show us what they're about. So let's see how it goes. So we'll leave it there. Um, Euro Daily will keep coming out every day. I think we're going to swerve it today. You don't need two pods today, and it's a pretty quiet Euros day, but but they'll be back tomorrow. So the Euro 2020 Daily with Phil Costa carries on uh, as per. 
And thanks again to Tim and Paul for, for stepping into the hosting chair and Clive for, for doing a little guesting as well. Um, and yeah, that that's really all we got. So Tim's on Twitter. Stubato. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my fans. Thanks, Paul. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, if you do check out the shop, um, you know, give us some feedback. Like I said, I don't really know what I'm doing with that. And I thought we'd have a mug and now we have like 30 products because Brandon is amazing uh but yeah would love would love to hear your feedback any thoughts you have and uh we want to we want to see how that goes and get that right so in any event um we love you and we will talk to you arsenal 10 transfer window new everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.